0: Last week we jumped into our series on the book of uh, in the minor prophets called Haggai. Now, these uh, people that these books of the Bible that are called the minor prophets in the Old Testament are called that because it's simply a way to divide the books into sections, right? To divide the Bible into sections. Uh, the Bible starts with the first five books. Here's your lesson, and we'll test you next week and see how good you do. But the first five books of the Bible are known as the books of the law, the Pentateuch, or the Torah, and that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then you have the historical books, which are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2 Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. And then you have the poetic books. Uh, These are the ones that are more poetry and and imagery. And these are uh, Job, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And then you have the major prophets, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then you have the minor prophets, which is where we are today in the book of Haggai. And these are the guys with the weirdest names, right? You've got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So the minor prophets are not any less important, but they are normally shorter than the major prophets, and the content is more focused on a specific set of people. The books of the major and minor prophets are normally some of the least read books of the Bible because of the constant warnings to these people and the judgment and also the difficult-to-understand prophecies. But the prophets are amazing. They give us the prophecies about the Messiah coming and a picture of God's holiness and his justice. Now, if you haven't yet discovered the Bible Project online yet, they have an app and they have uh, you know, a website and on YouTube, uh, you should check them out because the Bible Project uh, puts small uh, introductions to every book of the Bible and it's with cartoons, right? That makes it easier for people like me. And you get to watch these... Uh, themes and the arcs of the Bible in just like five or ten minutes uh, to give you an overview of this book of the Bible. So I definitely recommend if you're reading through a new book of the Bible for you to go and just take a little bit of a glimpse at what the context is in Scripture. But today we're dealing with the prophet Haggai. This book is very short. It's only a couple chapters. And Haggai is bringing a message from God To the people that had been conquered by Babylon, taken to another country for 70 years, but now they're allowed to come back and rebuild Jerusalem. And they come back and uh, Solomon's temple is destroyed and the city is in shambles. And when they first get back, the people of God come together and they lay a foundation for the rebuilt temple, but then they get discouraged and they stop building And they start instead to build nicer and nicer houses for themselves, focused on themselves and focused on their own comfort. So God sends Haggai to tell them that their priorities are out of whack. And it's more than just a building that needs to be built, but God deserved worship. And God had told them to build back this place of worship. And God tells them because they were not obeying him, they were feeling the consequences of their disobedience. And he was allowing their lives to be hard in order to get their attention. And the people had decided to leave God's house as rubble while they pursued other things. And They may have said with their mouths that they were God followers and that they cared about worship. But with their lives and how they dedicated their resources, they said something different contentment comes from God and we will not find that anywhere else and they were happy to just be God adjacent but not God centered and they were okay with being nearish to God but not one with his will and his purpose and Haggai has this message from God that they needed to flip their priorities the worship that happened in God's house needed to be over the pursuit of their own house They needed to flip houses. So last week, Haggai told them this, and the people repent. And they get their priorities right, and they put God first, and they begin to rebuild the temple. And God tells them that he is with them. And things are going good. Because 16 years after the foundation of the temple was started, back in the book of Ezra, work resumes again. And the minor prophets of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai, and Zechariah all deal with different aspects of rebuilding Jerusalem after they come back from uh, from exile. So all these Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah, they're all kind of happening simultaneously and in succession. And Ezra and Nehemiah lead people back from exile, while Haggai and Zechariah lead them back to follow God with their heart and their actions. And they're all kind of happening at the same time. And each time a leader tries to get a movement going and hopes are high and there's excitement, but gradually people begin to change their priorities. or They get discouraged and everything grinds to a halt. So one month later in Haggai, after they decided to start rebuilding the temple, the same thing happens again. So we're going to be in Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. You can check in your app. You can, there should be a Bible right there in front of you, or it'll be on the screen as well. It says this In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the work of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And this is what God said Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And to all the remnant of the people, and say this Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes? So, Zerubbabel is the governor, and Joshua is the high priest. So, God tells Haggai to bring a message to the people. See, there were people that were still alive back when they had seen Solomon's glorious temple with their very own eyes. And they were not impressed with this new temple. It did not compare. And the same thing happened back in Ezra when the people saw the foundation of uh, the temple being rebuilt. And it was much smaller and they weren't impressed. And this is what it says in Ezra 3.12. It says that many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses and old men who had seen the first house, they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of a joyful shout from the sound of people weeping. Can you imagine what that might sound like, right? The sound of people excited and screaming out of... Ex- Have you ever had that happen where... Uh, it happened to me just a couple weeks ago where I heard something and it was a, a kid that was playing and I wasn't sure if that kid was happy or sad, right? And I wasn't sure if they were screaming out of joy or screaming because you know their hand got chopped off or something like that. And this is what happened... You couldn't distinguish the weeping from the joyful sound. For the people shouted with a great sh- shout, and the sound was heard from far away. So I guess you could say that rebuilding the temple was kind of a bitter, sweet moment. The older people had remembered what they had and what was special to them, and they missed it. And they cried and they wept. See, Solomon's temple was glorious. Solomon spared no expense. It was the richest time in Israel's history. And there was gold and jewels and, and craftsmen unlike the world had ever seen. And it was unmatched. And for centuries, it was where God's people worshipped him. It was special to them. The Ark and the Holy of Holies and the altar. But now, this temple that was being built only made their pain deeper. This one was smaller and it was blander and it was just not... same. But the people that hadn't got to see Solomon's temple, see there were people that were born in those 70 years that hadn't got to see Solomon's temple and they were happy just to have a place to worship again that was their very own. They had lived in exile their whole entire life and now they come back to a country that is their own and they had joy seeing a place to worship God together. And this command from God to rebuild was a sign that God wanted to dwell in their midst. And that was a big deal. They had turned their backs on him over and over, but God still wanted a relationship with them. And this was the proof that God wanted them to build this place of worship. And God's message to them is don't get discouraged that you can't make this temple as nice as the last temple. Don't get discouraged doesn't have to be the same for it to be good. And God was with this effort, and he is in their midst. And God told Haggai to tell the leaders and the people that he was on their side. Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. He goes on, it says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all ye people of the land. Declare the uh, the." declares the Lord. And he says, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. He says, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once more, in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this out with uh, with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. See, Haggai points the people away from what used to be and away from how how they wish things were. And he points them to what will be in the future far in the future uh, in the hope of what is coming next when God's kingdom is on this earth. And God will bring a temple that is far better than even Solomon's temple or this temple and will worship Jesus in the next age, face to face, in his kingdom for eternity. Don't get discouraged when things don't look like you wished they looked right now. God is making all things new. And this life is not the end. Be strong. Be strong. Don't quit. Don't burn out. Don't give up. Don't get apathetic. Don't get comfortable. The temple that is to come will be the real majestic temple. The one in the next world. And things in this life are just shadows. And in the next life, we will be with the light. And things may seem difficult right now, but God is working towards something far better. The good news is that God's spirit is with his people, and he wants to dwell with us and to be present with us. That is what is important. So fear not. What is coming is far better than what happened in the past or is happening right now. So don't give up and don't be discouraged. And again, God's presence is what we seek, not a building. In fact, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's presence wants to fill us and to emanate from us. So maybe today as you sit here in this room, you've been trying to follow God and it doesn't look as nice and as pretty as you thought it would. You know, surrendering to full-time ministry was hard. It wasn't, you know, just to, to say, God, I'll follow you and I'll move to Arkansas from Pennsylvania so that I can go to Bible college and I don't know anybody out there and 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 take a job that uh, has less money and no benefits and live in a parsonage somewhere. It wasn't easy to surrender to full-time ministry, but it, it, it was worth it. And any notion, though, that I had that pastoring a church would be a life full of people giving you casseroles, right? Or them tipping their hats as you walk down the street saying, howdy, pastor. That went out the window a long time ago. Cleaning up trash and blood and human waste has been a big part of it. Setting up chairs and tables, that's been a big part of it. But God is good and it's worth it and I never take it back. The world is broken and things are messy, but God is with us in the mess. And yes, it might not be perfect, but there's coming a day when no heartache shall come and no more clouds in the sky and no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day that will be. We don't live for comfort in this life. We live for the next life. And maybe you're here today, and you've been trying to please God in your marriage, and it's hard. Or maybe being a giver and a tither is not what you thought it would be. And you've, been, you've stepped out, but your fridge still goes out, and you've, you've tried to stretch, and, and things just haven't worked. Maybe you're trying to raise your kids to love Jesus, and it is wearing you out. Getting them up for church is tough. Reading scripture and praying with them, you know, sometimes it can seem like it's not making a difference. And you might be trying to live right and love Jesus and be obedient to God. And the people that are closest to you are the ones that are making your life harder. Following Jesus doesn't always look the way that we want. But God blesses obedience. And walking with Jesus is far better than running from him. No contest. We also need to recognize and to admit that sometimes things aren't the way that we wish they were. But don't stay there. Why? Because God isn't done yet and the story isn't over. Have hope. Why? Because his presence wants to dwell with you and he is with you in the pain and with you in the disappointment. And he wants you to worship him right where you're at. Zechariah, another prophet around this same time, looking at the state of the temple uh, that they were building, said this. Do not despise the day of small things. Do not despise the day of small things. And he's saying, look, things might not be how you want them to be right now. But this isn't the end of the story, and the project isn't finished. And when it is, it's going to look different. And one day, in the future, everything shall be as it's meant to be. So don't give up. Paul tells the church in Galatia to keep going, even when what you're getting is not what you want. Paul tells that church to follow God and do things His way, and you will be rewarded. Don't give up. It says in Galatians 6, 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... When is that due season? It's not when I say it's due. It's when God says it's due. In due season we will reap if we faint not. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, We'll not grow weary of waiting on God if we remember how long and how graciously he once waited us. Morale was low in Jerusalem. The people had been working on this temple for 16 years. And, And then they got discouraged and they built the foundation and then they left. And they went and started building their own houses and making them better. But God told them to get back to work and to make his worship priority number one. But one month in, they're already getting discouraged again. It doesn't look like it's supposed to look. It doesn't look anywhere near as as good as it looked before. And remember back when this was like this. and It was so special and, and this and that. And things aren't the way that you wish they were. And they were ignoring the fact that this command to build the temple was because God wanted to dwell with them in the now. Even though things had changed. And even though there had been brokenness. And he calls them to get back to work. And to look forward, even past this temple. To look when God will bring his kingdom. And there will no longer be a thing called disappointment. God's house first. Not a building. But the worship that he deserves is paramount. We need to flip our houses, not just God adjacent, but God centered. Every he head's bowed and and eyes closed as the Richmonds come back up again. Maybe that's where you are today. You're here and you're like, Man, this is four Sundays in a row I've been here and things haven't changed. Or I've been reading my Bible every day and I've been trying to, to do what's right and, and things still happen around me that are disappointing and, and there's still pain. Don't despise the day of small things. God is still doing a work in your life. If you are following him and in obedience to him, it is still better to walk with him than it is to run away from him. Don't get discouraged and don't quit when things don't look the way that you think they should. God is on the throne. And even if things don't change in this moment right now, there is coming a day, a day that we can look forward to, that when his kingdom comes and his will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. If you're here today and you're... There's things that are going on in your life that just aren't the way you wish they were. Trust God. Keep near to Him. Put Him at the center. You will never, ever be sorry. That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen, but it does mean that you are not alone. So as the the Richmonds play quietly, we'll take a moment. Take a beat and take a pause. Just talk to God. We don't have to dress things up. We don't have to fake it with Him. Maybe this thing that you thought you wanted isn't what you expected. Maybe there's disappointment because you remember how things used to be. It's not how they are now, or maybe right now. In the last week, you've had something really tough happen, whether it's with your health, or your finances, or your family. And you got questions. Take them to the one that can answer them. And Don't grow weary in well doing. God promises. His presence is better than anything else. One day, there's going to be a day when no tears and no pain and no death and no separation and no disease and no war. There's coming a day when we will get to be with God, to be known fully and loved. Take a moment just to call out to God. Talk to him about that disappointment. Double down. Putting him at the center. Maybe I'm speaking to someone in the room today. You're not sure yet that you are a God follower. You're not sure you're a Jesus follower yet. It's not that you're against it. You just haven't made a commitment. See, we all have a problem in our life called sin, and it separates us from God every single one of us has lied and cheated and been bitter and, and gossiped and because of that there is a wedge between us and a holy God it happened way back at the beginning of time and ever since then sin has flooded this world and caused brokenness and pain because God allowed us to have a choice between him and ourselves and him and our sin and over and over again we've chosen sin but God commended his love towards us. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. Even though we were sinners, the Old Testament is all the story about God giving Israel ways to get to him and them trying for a little while and then turning their backs on him and and eventually there's these prophecies of in the in the future the the one that is coming that will fix it all the messiah that was Jesus Christ God in the flesh and he walked this earth 2,000 years ago he lived a perfect and a holy life for 33 years laid down his life on a cross for you Jesus died for all of us guilty people the only innocent one to ever walk the earth sinless and he took on all our sin and all our shame and he died for it on the cross and on the third day he rose again from the grave bringing our salvation with him that's the gospel If you've not yet put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross, that is how you become a child of God. You can call out to him right now and ask for forgiveness. Put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. The words are not important. It's not a pledge of allegiance or a magic prayer. You can call out to God with something like this right now. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I know because of my sin that I deserve help God forgive me I'm turning from all of that and I'm turning to you put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me thank you Lord for saving me that's you today making that choice right now in this moment you're not playing games with God, you're not just reciting something but it's a genuine decision that for the first time or maybe the first time you really understood it I'd love for you to be able to write that down on your connection card before you turn it in and say I chose Jesus no better thing that you could ever do today in this moment than to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the rest of your life and then we'll stand and sing. Your Jesus, we love you. God, help us in our disappointment to push our hearts and minds towards you and that there is coming a day when all this disappointment will be in the past. We Thank you for this picture in your word to encourage us that even when things don't look right and even when it's the day of small things, still remember that you are working and you are on the throne and that one day you're going to make all things new i would pray for anyone that might make that choice today to follow you with their lives that they would just run towards you and they fall so in love with you god we love you in your name we pray amen let's stand let's sing